You are listening to Real Relationship Talk, a podcast helping married and pre-married couples build lasting love from above. Got problems? Let's solve them. Because real trials need real truth. Now it's time to get in the game with your relationship coach and host, Dana Shea. Welcome, friends. This is Dana Shea, and you are listening to Real Relationship Talk. You all, we are in episode 87 today, and we are continuing our Communications 101 series. Now, so far in this series, you guys, we have talked all about the best defense for offense. We've talked about how to prepare for difficult conversations. And last week, we actually talked about how to have proper I statements. So that episode was called, It's Not You, It's Me. And we're talking all about how to actually formulate I statements. Now, the purpose of this whole series is not to be clinical. You guys, I really want this series to be conversational. I want it to be practical. I want you to be able to take the keys and the steps and the tools that you're listening to and hearing on this podcast and actually employ them into your relationships. If it sounds too heady, if it sounds too difficult, you won't do it. And so some of this information is not necessarily new. A lot of it is going to be review for some of y'all. For some of you, though, a lot of this is going to be like brand new information. You're going to be like, like mind blown. That was my mind blown sound. I hope you could hear that. And so today, you guys, we are going to be talking about one of my favorite topics. And it's not my favorite topic because it's something that I help people with a lot It is something that I deal with a lot, and it is the silent treatment. So I'm going to go ahead and confess all my sins to you today because confession is good for the soul. I specialize in me some silent treatment, okay? Like I can ice somebody out so that they never felt like they were born. It's bad. It is so bad, you guys. I'm not bragging about it. I'm just telling you. This is my confessional time. I'm telling you. I don't like to argue. I don't like to fight. I'm not going to raise my voice and yell. Like, I'm just not going to do all that. So I'll just go ghost. I'll go silent. And if you have been on the receiving end of the silent treatment, you know that it is no bueno. It's no fun. You don't know what the other person is thinking. You feel trapped. You feel like you're being handcuffed, like your conversation doesn't matter. Your opinions don't matter. Your feelings don't matter because the other person has literally gone ghost on you. And so I wanted to do a whole episode about this for my own peace of mind, (laughs) for my own counseling, for my own coaching. But I also hope that in the meantime, you might be able to gain some insight from this conversation as well. So let's first of all talk about what is the silent treatment and can the silent treatment ever be beneficial? So I'm just going to go ahead and and spoiler alert here. I do believe that there are times that the silent treatment can be beneficial. And we're going to talk about the difference between silence and the silent treatment. But let's talk about what the silent treatment actually is, because some of y'all, you think that you're receiving the silent treatment and you aren't. Or maybe you think that you're given the silent treatment and you aren't. So for example, has anybody ever been in like a text argument before? You know about those? Yeah. It's like when you're arguing over text. And what do we say? We're like, you know what? I'm not going to respond to that. I am not going to say another word except for this. And then we send our little reply and then we're like, okay, all right, I'm done. I'm done. I'm not talking about that anymore. 
And then we see the little, if you have an iPhone, you see the little three bubbles, right? And you're like, oh my gosh, they're typing back. They're saying something. They're saying something. And then you're like, all right, this is the last thing I'm going to say about it. And then you respond, really, that's not the silent treatment. And you're really playing a game with yourself and the other person knows that you're going to continue to respond. And so when you're going back and forth like that, you might not be verbally saying words out loud, but that is still not the silent treatment. The silent treatment is when you literally do not talk to that other person at all. You don't say anything. Not only do you not say anything, but oftentimes you won't make eye contact. You won't be in that person's vicinity. You won't want to be around them. You will just completely act like they don't exist. And this is very harmful to most relationships. Most often, the silent treatment communicates something that we don't want to communicate. It oftentimes communicates a lack of love, a lack of care, a lack of concern. It also can communicate to that person that they're just simply not worth it. They're not important. They're not worthy of your time or your, of your attention. Now, obviously, you see how this can be very, very detrimental in a marriage or in a, a relationship. So our goal today is to talk about the damage that the silent treatment offers and some alternative ways of communication. How do you communicate when you just don't feel like talking about the problem or you feel like I've already tried talking about it and it's not getting any better? And friends, honestly, that's one of the reasons why I go ghost. I don't know about you if you're a specialist in the silent treatment like me, but one of the reasons that I go ghost is because I feel like I've already tried to talk about this and we're not getting anywhere. And so because I, like I said, I'm not going to argue, fight and yell with you. I'm just not going to talk to you. Now, some people use the silent treatment as a form of manipulation. It's like, okay, well, if you don't give me what I want, then I won't talk to you. That ain't me. I don't do that, okay? But some people do do that. Some people use it as a form of passive-aggressive communication where it's like tit for tat. If you don't do what I'm telling you to do or what I want you to do, then I will also give you the silent treatment. So it's similar to manipulation, but it can also be used as a form of aggression. So think about yourself. If you're somebody who maybe you clicked on this episode today because you are one who gives lots of silent treatments to the people that you're in relationships with, or maybe you are always receiving the silent treatment from someone. I think that this episode is going to be really beneficial to both the senders and the receivers. So let's talk a little bit more about what the silent treatment does. I already said that it's manipulative. It's also a form of passive aggressive behavior. The silent treatment, though, y'all, real talk is also just immature. A lot of times when we are like, fine, I'm not going to talk to you. Imagine like that little three-year-old that's in an argument with their little three-year-old friend and they cross their arms around their chest and they spin around and they're just like, I'm not going to talk to you. That's kind of what the silent treatment is. It's immature. It's not the best mature way of communicating. Also, it distracts from the issue at hand. So if you're in an argument or let's say a conflict, that's a better word. If you're in a conflict with somebody and you give the silent treatment, then what happens oftentimes is now the issue is no longer at the forefront. Now it's like, oh my gosh, why is this person not talking to me? They're not speaking to me. And so now we have totally distracted from the issue. And that is sometimes why people choose the silent treatment. 
because it distracts from the issue. Think about a a spouse who might be being accused of being unfaithful. So the spouse says to them, you know, where were you last night? Why didn't you answer your phone? I sent you text messages. You didn't answer. Well, if that spouse is really guilty of being unfaithful, what they may do is they may just go silent. A, they don't want to be caught in a lie. But B, them being silent now presents a bigger issue because now the other spouse is like, oh, so you're not going to talk to me? You're really not going to talk to me. Oh, my gosh. How come? And then there starts the craziness. So they were able to effectively distract from the real issue at hand. Also, the silent treatment is a power struggle. Think about it. If you are trying to communicate your point, your perspective, your feelings, your viewpoint, whatever, and the other person in a relationship is not responding the way that you want them to, well, if you just go silent, then you now have the power in that relationship. Because most people are not going to want you to go silent. So they're going to say things like, please talk to me. Just just talk. Let's just talk about it. Come on. We can figure this out. And then they're going to a lot of times start to try to appease the person who's giving the silent treatment. And so this creates this really unhealthy power struggle in relationships. So like I said before, I don't really get all into like all of that stuff. I'm not passive aggressive usually. I'm not manipulative. I can be a little immature like everybody else, right? But my reason for giving the silent treatment a lot of times is just frustration. It's I have tried to communicate because I I love communicating. I'm a, this is what this episode, this is what this series is all about, right? Communication 101. So I'm a teacher of all of these things. So it's not like I don't know how, but when I feel like my point of view or my perspective or especially my feelings are not being honored, then I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and keep this to myself because I'm not going to cast my pearls amongst the swine. I say this scripture all the time. There's a scripture in the Bible that says, do not cast your pearls amongst the swine. And that basically means do not spend a whole lot of time giving your goods to people who are not worthy of it. And so if I feel like I have tried to communicate, I've tried to have a conversation, I've tried to explain, I've tried to listen, I've done the empathy thing, I've done all of that, and that person still does not receive what I'm trying to communicate, then I'll just go silent. And maybe you can identify with that. So there are some better ways. And we're going to talk a little bit about what some of those better ways of communication are, because... One thing that we need to understand is the silent treatment is communicating. Sometimes I'll hear my clients inaccurately say something like, you know what, my spouse, they just don't communicate with me at all. And that is not the truth because we are always communicating all of the time. If you don't get anything else out of this whole series, please understand that you are always communicating all of the time. The silent treatment is absolutely communicating. You're communicating that you don't want to be bothered. You're communicating that you don't want to continue in that conversation. Maybe you are communicating that you don't care, that you don't even like the other person. Whatever it is, just understand that the silent treatment is communicating. So what are some better ways that we can communicate versus the silent treatment? I'm going to give you a list. I hope you have something to write with or be sure to re-reference this episode because I'm giving y'all gold here, okay? These are things that are tried and true. I have experienced 
lots of these alternatives and my relationship on both the giving and the receiving end. And some of this stuff is just therapeutic. Like you can go to any therapist on any block and they're going to tell you some of the same stuff. Okay. So again, some of this info might be review for you. Some of this will be new info for you. So one of my recommendations is to write a letter. If you have heard some of the earlier podcast episodes, Sean and I talked about this notebook that we used to keep when we first got married. And we didn't know what we were doing, y'all. We got married at 18 and 21. We were so dumb and so naive and had so many communication challenges. And so one of the things that we started doing really, really early on is we had a notebook that we would keep. We actually started this notebook when we were dating. So it wasn't the same notebook, but we started this idea and we would write notes in this notebook back and forth to each other. And that was one of our saving graces when we were in like deep conflict, when I didn't know how to put together my words. And when Sean didn't really know what to say, he would write and he would write me a letter. I would read the letter and then I would flip the page and I would respond to what I heard him say. We had no idea, you guys, how healthy that was. We thought we were just doing it to avoid like killing each other. Okay. And yeah, that helped for sure. But maybe that's an idea that you want to start, whether it be a notebook or whether it be standalone paper. And I'm saying like old fashioned pen and paper, not text messages, not emails, because there's something about you writing out your feelings or you writing out what happened that is so healing. I don't know why, but it's it's just so much more effective than sending an email. Plus, it's way more personal. If someone takes the time to handwrite you a note or handwrite you a letter, your response to what they write is probably going to be a little bit more positive than if they just shoot off an email real quick. So take the time, consider getting a shared notebook or at least writing a letter. Don't talk about what the other person did. We talked about this last week, right? The point of this is not to share all of their mistakes. The point of this notebook is for you to use those I statements to talk about how you felt, how you perceived the situation, what you want to happen, what is the solution, what is the outcome, how do you want this thing to end? So that's the first suggestion is to write a letter or get a shared notebook. All right, another one of my little communication hacks is to do a walk and talk. I love a good walk and talk. When you're walking and talking, it does several things. And and I recommend parents do this with teenagers a lot, either a walk and talk or a drive and talk, okay? When you are driving and you're talking, most often your eyes are going to be on the road. And so what it does is it, it lessens the intensity of the conversation because you're not staring in each other's eyes the whole time. You're staring straight ahead. You're looking at something else other than your partner. And this can be whether you're driving or whether you're walking. I think the benefit of a walk and talk is that a walk is intimate. You're actually spending time with each other and you're getting some calories burned. I mean, so that's just free, right? That's just bonus. But consider a walk and talk where you don't have to stare in each other's eyes and talk about your conflict, where you can literally walk side by side. Look at that subliminal. Look at that subconscious working. So you're working side by side and you're walking side by side and you are going to come to a solution if you can keep the main thing the main thing. So the point of the walk and talk is to talk about the issue at hand. 
It's not to go on rabbit trails. It's not to talk about uh, things that don't matter or to talk about things from five, six, seven years ago. It's to talk about the issue at hand. And you're just breezily walking along. So try that, a walk and talk or a drive and talk if you can't walk. But I would recommend that you walk. All right, the third suggestion I want to give you is a timed talk. Now, this is a little bit more clinical. A lot of therapists use this in their practices where they would literally get out a timer and they will start the timer for 60 seconds and partner number one has 60 seconds to air their grievances, to talk about all the things that they're hurt about, all the things that they are being misunderstood about. Like it's their time to get it out, but you only have 60 seconds. And at the end of that 60 seconds, it is now the second partner's time to talk. But the caveat is the partner who responds has to respond to what the first partner said. So it can't be like partner number one says, you know, I'm really hurt because I keep asking you to put up your dishes and put up your laundry and you don't do it. And so because you know that I have OCD, I end up having to do more than my fair share and I have to clean up all your mess and I've asked you this repeatedly and you won't do it. Let's say that took 60 seconds to get out. Partner number two can't say, well, I have a problem that you're controlling and you think that I'm your child. Like, no. (laughs) Okay, that is not effective. So what partner number two would need to do during this timed talk is to acknowledge what partner number one just said. Okay, I hear you saying that you don't like cleaning up behind me, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, for 60 seconds. This can be really beneficial when you have a third party because I don't know about y'all, but like when I'm really going in, I don't care if a timer is going off after 60 seconds. I'm going to keep on talking. So you have to hold yourself accountable to making sure that at the end of the 60 seconds that you stop talking And you have to hold yourself accountable to actually respond to your partner when it's their time to talk, okay? Or after, I should say, after it's their time to talk. So maybe try that. It might seem kind of silly. It might be like, I am not going to get out of timer. But you might be surprised at the benefits that this affords your relationship. So try a timed talk. All right, number four, I would recommend another alternative to the silent treatment is to put the conversation on the calendar. So let's say that you and your partner, you and your spouse, you're you're arguing about a specific topic and one person goes ghost and they're like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. I'm done. We'll circle back to that conversation and say, okay, you know what? I'm not going to force you to talk about this, but when can we talk about this again? Tonight? Tomorrow? When? And get it on the calendar because what happens, y'all, in relationships is we just let these things fester. We never circle back to the conversation. Or if we do, it's a part of another conflict. Like we'll bring it back. Oh, yeah, last week you said blah, blah, blah. And then this is what I felt about that. And so we can avoid all of that if we can circle back and we can put it on a calendar and we can actually talk about the issue at hand. All right, number five. Learn to listen. I know this is like so simple. It's a lot easier said than done, right? Why don't we listen? We're going to do a whole podcast episode about listening, the art of listening. The reason that we don't often listen is not necessarily because we don't want to hear what the other partner has to say, but we don't want to feel bad about ourselves by what they're saying. 
Most often when people are talking, they feel like they're communicating their feelings, but they're really communicating accusations, which is, again, if you haven't listened to episode 86 from last week, we talked about those I statements. This would be the time. Okay. well, technically, I want you to finish listening to this one. But after this one is done, go back and listen to episode 86. So when you communicate with your partner, it's really important, again, that you do not make accusations. You're not talking about all the things that they did and all the things that they said. And my God, all the ways that they felt, because, I mean, none of us are God and we don't know how anyone feels unless they tell us. So this is your time to talk about how you felt. Talk about what your needs are. But you have to learn to listen. So when your partner is communicating, you have to train yourself to not cut in. I think one of the most frustrating things for me as a coach is when I have clients and they're talking over each other and they literally cannot hear what the other person is saying because they are talking at the same time. I never understood that. And that's why one of the reasons, honestly, why I don't argue because it's just dumb. Can I just say that? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. I don't care how mad you are. You're literally not hearing anything that your partner is saying if you're also speaking over top of them. So learn to listen. You don't have to agree with what they're saying. And listen, you can take notes. When they're talking, you can be writing down notes and not like notes about something else, but like as to what they're saying so that if you want to come back to something that they said that you disagree with, you could say, you know what, I heard you say blah, 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 but this is how I really feel. Or this is what I was really going through when that situation was happening. But try your absolute best to learn how to listen. If you're a good listener, then oftentimes your partner won't feel the need to do the whole silent treatment thing because they know that you're going to listen to them when they speak. A lot of times, people just fear being shut down. So if I keep talking to you and you just keep shooting me down, you keep ignoring my feelings, you keep trying to tell me that what I'm feeling isn't a big deal, then I'm eventually probably going to stop talking to you. That can be avoided or it can be helped to be avoided because we each have our own responsibility, right? I'm still responsible for how I communicate regardless of how my partner is communicating. But learning to be a good listener certainly helps. And then the final thing that I want to tell you guys, the final alternative to the silent treatment is to choose to let it go. I know that's like revolutionary, right? We could choose to forgive and we can just choose to let it go and move on. Whatever the issue is, is it more important than your relationship? Really, think about that. Is it more important than your relationship? Is your need to feel heard, your need to feel right, your need to get your point across, your need to tell your spouse all of their wrongs, is that more important than your relationship? If it is, Houston, we have a problem. If it isn't, is it possible for you to just forgive and move on? And I'm talking to myself. This is hard for me to do because I'm very justice-oriented. I believe in right-wrong, black-white, problems have solutions. And so for me to just be like, okay, I'm just going to let it go, that's hard, you guys. It's hard for me to just be like, I'm going to move on because I really need a resolution to all of my problems. And sometimes we could beat the horse to death and still not have a resolution. And so this is a time that it is important for us to learn how to let it go. Sometimes, and I feel like I can't even believe that this is going to come out of my mouth, but sometimes 
that specific issue might not have a resolution. Sometimes we're just not going to see eye to eye. We're just not going to agree. We are not going to understand each other's perspective. And we're just going to have to move on. So it's okay to let it go. Let it go. Okay? All right. So let me run through those real quick again. Some alternatives to the silent treatment. Write a letter or get a notebook. That's number one. Number two, try a walk and talk or a drive and talk. Number three, try a timed talk. Number four, put it on the calendar. Come back to the conversation. Number five, learn how to be a good listener. And number six, choose to let it go. Before we wrap up, I want to real quick talk about silence. I said in the intro or earlier in the episode, I should say, that there is a difference between the silent treatment and silence. Is it possible for silence to actually benefit you in your relationship? I would say absolutely. Number one, silence is helpful sometimes if you just cannot come to a consensus. Silence is like a reset for your computer, right? Think about it. Like, you know, you recharging your batteries, your, your phone, you're, you're not going to uh, touch your phone. You're not going to be on your phone. You're just going to let that phone charge or you're going to let that computer go to sleep for a little bit and you'll come back to it in the morning. That's what silence can be like for a relationship. It could just be like a reset. Now, the key is the silence has to have a, a end in sight. You can't be silent for 12 years. Okay, that's not going to work. So you have to know this going into it, all right? I'm actually just going to not talk about that for the next 24 hours. And my goodness, please communicate this to your partner. So there's a situation, we've had, actually had lots of these situations uh, recently, but where Sean and I, we were like, let's, let's try something new. Let's do something new in our communication because we're still growing and learning and all of this stuff too. And so there was a, a conversation that we were having and Sean said, I want to tell you something, and I don't want you to respond for 24 hours. He might as well have said 24,000 days, okay? 24 hours is a long time to be silent for me, for me. And so I said, okay, all right. And so he told me his thing, and I didn't respond. I really had some really good stuff to say in the moment, right? But I was like, I'm not going to respond. I'm going to hold it. I'm going to hold my peace. And then in 24 hours, we came back to the conversation. One of the best things we've ever done. Hands down, one of the best things we've ever done. We came back to it just after that brief reset. That is one of the ways that silence can benefit your relationship. Silence also allows you to gather your thoughts and find a more thoughtful response. And that's probably one of the reasons that he asked me not to respond for 24 hours so that I could come back with a thoughtful response and not just my, with my response in the heat of the moment. And so when you go silent, for a brief time, it allows you to gather those thoughts. Silence also prevents you from saying something that you might later regret. This is, again, I told you before that one of the reasons that I go ghost and that I use the silent treatment is so that I don't say something that I might regret or so that I don't start getting angry and yelling and all of that stuff. I'm not going to do that. But silence can be really beneficial, again, if you communicate, hey, right now I'm starting to get really angry. And I just need to take a break from this conversation. We can come back to this conversation tomorrow, but I really need to stop here. That's a great boundary for you. And hopefully your partner can respect that boundary and say, you know what? All right, fine. We'll come back to it tomorrow. Silence also allows you to pray. 
You can't be mad at somebody that you're praying for. Like, try it. I'm telling you. I always know when I need to pray for Sean more is when I start feeling myself holding grudges and when I start to, like, rehearse all of his wrongs. But if I take those things to the Lord and if I say, God, I need you to help me to let this go. I need you to help me to walk in forgiveness, to walk in grace, to walk in compassion, to walk in the fruit of the Spirit, all of those things, right? Faithfulness, gentleness, patience, love, all of those. You can't do that unless you're silent. You can't pray while you're arguing with somebody. And so there are times that silence is really, really healthy. But again, the biggest, biggest caveat here is that you have to have a timed silence and you have to communicate that time to your partner, your spouse, whoever it is. You have to say, hey, for the next, it might be two days. It might be for the next 20 minutes. It doesn't have to be a full day. However long you feel like you need, just communicate that. Listen, I need an hour. I'm going to go for a walk. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Please don't text me. And I'm just, we're going to be able to come back to this conversation later. I just can't talk about this right now, or I'm getting really frustrated, or I really don't have a response for you. Can you give me 30 minutes to, to think about what you've said? I mean, talk about maturity, guys. That's a really mature conversation. Can you give me 30 minutes so that I can come up with a thoughtful response to everything that you said? Like most people aren't going to be like, no, respond to me right now. Most people are going to be like, okay, that's fine. That's fair. It's about growing. It's about growing up. It's about growing in our communication. And so my desire for you and myself, this has been very therapeutic for me. Thank you guys for listening. But my desire is that we would learn how to communicate in mature and helpful and effective ways. The silent treatment is not an effective mode of communication. It is not going to help you to grow closer in the end. If anything, it is going to cause further disconnection and resentment in your relationship. So don't do it. If you're in the habit of of doing silent treatments, then continue to listen to the series because I'm going to continue to give you some good alternatives to ways that you can get your point across, ways that you can share your feelings, ways that you can open up your heart and share with your partner what you feel like they need to know. So I hope that this has been helpful for you. If it has been, you guys, I would love to hear from you. I love when I get you guys' DMs and I see your podcast reviews coming in. And speaking of podcast reviews, I know I sound like a broken record, but would you not go ghost on me? Would you not go silent and be like, man, that was a good episode, and then go off and eat your cheese crackers or whatever you're eating? Can you write a review, especially if you are listening to this on Apple Podcasts? It will take you 30 seconds or less to just write a review about Real Relationship Talk. Your reviews help other people to find the show, and it helps other people to kind of get a glimpse into why they too should listen to these episodes. So thanks so much for listening today. It has been a pleasure sharing with you guys. I can't wait to see you next week as we continue our Communications 101 series. Have a great day and take care. Thank you for listening to Real Relationship Talk with Dana Shea. Find the show notes, helpful articles, and more relationship tips at realrelationshiptalk.com. Enjoying the show? Be sure to rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And remember to subscribe. We'll see you on the next episode. Hello, hello, Quinice Petway here, co-host of the Your Daily Bible Verse podcast. 
Are you someone who loves to take a deep dive into God's word one verse at a time to explore his will for your life and desire to draw closer to him? If that sounds like you, I'd love to invite you to head over to lifeaudio.com and search your daily Bible verse to tune in and subscribe for daily inspiration, life application, and spiritual transformation through the in-depth exploration of God's Word.